chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, and we'll begin our reading in verse 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord all ye Gentiles, and laud him all ye people. This is a revolutionary statement in the day and age in which it was written, especially when you consider that the Jews thought they were the only ones that God was reaching out to. Uh, When Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And that was a statement that was saying that the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was going to go beyond Jewish believers and include believers all around the world out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. And how thankful I am that God, in a miraculous way, opened up His grace, the gospel message, to poor, rotten, old Gentiles like me. Now, he goes on in verse 12, and again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of of the Holy Ghost. I want to preach this morning a message entitled, Joy and Peace in Believing. Our text contains Paul's prayer, his quotation of an Old Testament scripture, and his desire for the Roman believers, who at that time were facing intense opposition from the pagan Roman culture, and from the Roman government. And in the midst of pagan idolatry, gross immorality, and ungodliness, Paul reminds these Roman believers that our sovereign God is the one who is able to fill them with hope, joy, and peace, regardless of their outward circumstances. I couldn't help but think, it's a lot like today. Whether you recognize it or not, we're living in a pretty much of a heathen culture. Paganism, ungodliness, immorality is running freely in the streets. Not just here. You wouldn't believe the, the, the things that go on in Europe and in other countries. We live in a day and age of idolatry, of immorality. And you know what, if you allow that, if you allow yourself to focus on everything that's wrong, 
You're going to be disgruntled and discouraged and disappointed every day of your life. And I'm here to tell you, there is hope, there is joy, there is peace in Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice in Him. We all would do well to remember the admonition of verse 13. And I remember a man gave me a plaque. He, it was homemade. A piece of wood. And he had taken one of those carving, hot carving tools and he'd written in that piece of wood a statement by an old Puritan, Richard Sibbs. Times are bad, but God is good. And that is so true. Now, as I read verse 13, it just... It opens up that all the it's a a message of, of hope, of joy, of thanksgiving, displaying the grace, the power, the glory of God. And as I thought about that verse, I thought, what a contrast that verse is with our natural condition. This language is completely, was completely foreign to me before I was saved. I had no hope. I had no joy. And as I meditated on this verse, I could not help but remember the rock out of which I've been hewn. I came into this world from conception with a sinful nature that thrived on sin and ungodliness. Like the Bible says, I know what it was to drink iniquity like water. My heart was filled with rebellion and malice and hatred for God. Now, I didn't ever come out and say, I hate you, God. But by my wicked works, I displayed it. And by the thoughts and the intents of my heart, I displayed that I despised the law of God. And I didn't even know it. I was in captivity to sin and Satan. And the Bible describes our condition in Ephesians 2, and you that are uh, dead in trespasses, and you hath God quickened who were dead in trespassing and sin. No connection. I was dead to God. My spirit was dead in Adam. And I walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I lived on sin and lust and loved to have it that way. The Bible says that when we're lost, we are without God, without hope, in darkness, in the ignorance of sin. And I can confess that there were times that I had happiness, but it was based on circumstances, and it was always fleeting. But I had no joy. I, I never had experienced what joy was. I was wallowing in the miry pit of my, my own sins. I was on the dung heap of human depravity. 
That was my condition before God. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Oh, we went to church occasionally. But I don't ever remember anyone ever talking to me about the gospel of Christ until I was 20 years old. I was in darkness. I had no peace. I was out of the way. I was guilty and filled with misery. Oh, on the outside, I might look like uh, I was having a great time, but in the, on the inside, I was dead. I was guilty and I knew it. Nobody had to try to convince me I was a sinner. Because I was broken. And the truth of Romans chapter 3 was so vivid to me, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in their way are in their way. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's where I was. I felt the guilt of sin. And I was looking for something. But it sure wasn't in the Bible. I wasn't looking in the Bible. I tried a myriad of things that were sinful and wicked, thinking that that would fill the, the void. But I was looking for joy and peace in all the wrong places. Vainly thinking that the world and all of its pleasures could fill that void. But our world is filled with hopeless, miserable people. And it's sad. I mean, you go into Walmart. You know, hardly anybody has any joy anymore. People aren't even friendly anymore in our day and age. I had no understanding that only God could change my condition. That only God was the source of hope and joy and peace and love. He was the only one that could fill me with thanksgiving and joy. I had no real faith whatsoever in God's Word or in the Gospel. But the God of hope can change the most miserable of sinners. It's a miracle when God comes in. It's a miracle when God intervenes in somebody's life. And I can say today that I am a living, breathing, real life example of someone who has been miraculously changed. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit who revealed to my darkened heart the glories of Christ dying for my sins, being my substitute, being buried in a tomb, and raising again for me in my darkness and in my blindness. Because the Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm so thankful for verse 6 in that chapter. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you is have God intervene, open your heart, your mind, to see the glories of Jesus Christ as the only Savior of sinners. And all I can remember, I, so vividly, in January of 1980, I was working for my dad downtown Cincinnati in a meat, in a meat independent meat market my dad owned. And uh, I was going to college. My wife always tells me, she said, make sure people know you did go to college. Because she always says, they wouldn't believe it otherwise. Uh, but anyway, I was going to college, working full time at the meat store. My dad hired a man. He started work in January of 1980. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. He came up to me, introduced himself. He said, I'm Greg Rittenhouse. He said, I want you to know that I'm saved by the grace of God. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that He died for my sins. And that He was buried and He rose again for me. And he said, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. And I thought, where, where does this guy come off? It's the first time I ever met him. And he just hammered me, lowered the boom on me. The first time anybody ever witnessed to me in my life. I was 20 years of age. And I began to see his life. And I think it was the first time I was actually connected with somebody who lived a Christian life. And I saw it day in and day out, and God used that as a testimony. And I, I was getting more and more convicted. I was, I was doing everything to get my mind off of it. Partying, carrying on. But I tell you what, God, I'd lay in bed at night thinking, I can't go on like this. I, I just can't go like this anymore. Tomorrow I'm quitting everything. I'm starting a new life, new fresh, thinking I just turn over a new leaf, right back to the slop every day. After about ten months of him witnessing to me, and I can remember 
I didn't have a New Testament. Uh, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I couldn't have told you the four Gospels. I didn't. I could never have quoted John three sixteen. I didn't know what the law of God was. And he witnessed to me all the time. And I remember he was showing me in Matthew twenty four and twenty five about the Lord coming back, and and boy, that really. I, I thought, wow, this could happen any day if this book is true. And I remember looking at him and I said, hey, you got another one of those books? He said, here, you can have this as a New Testament. He said, you can have this as a New Testament. He said, you take this. And I'd be out with my friends. And before I was ever saved, I carried it around like it was a good luck piece. I had it in my back pocket. And we'd be carrying on and I'd pull that book out and I had it, because I, I, I told him, mark that place, because I want to tell some people about this. It's before I was ever saved. And I opened that up, a bunch of them around, I said, fellas, Jesus Christ is coming back and we're all going to be judged. It's before I was ever saved. Well, about November of that year, I remember telling Greg, he was going to a mission work that had been started out of Bryan Station Baptist Church. It was in Wilmington, Ohio. And I said, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to church with you this week. He said, what? I said, yeah. I, I don't think I'd ever been to a Baptist church in my life. Well, I had to drive to his house, which was 45 minutes away from where the mission was. 45 minutes, the whole drive up. Him and his wife were just witnessing to me, preaching to me, and I'm thinking, if this is the way it's going to be, I ain't riding with them again. I got there, and it was, a, it, you know, they, they had some rickety old brown chairs set up in, a, in an old, musty-smelling school building. I remember walking in thinking to myself, man, these Baptists ain't got much going on. This is all they got. And uh, the preacher preached on the second coming. And I, I left out of there. They preached to me the whole way home. I was so under conviction. And I remember thinking to myself, if I can, I'm, I'm not going back to a Baptist church. Uh, I, I don't think I could take this every day. The, the conviction that I felt. I'm thinking to myself, I can just get out when they pulled up in the driveway. And I start to get out of the car and I heard myself say something. It's like an out of a I said, hey, Greg, would it be all right if I come in and talk to you some more about this? And it was like my my I thought to myself, inside of me was saying, No! Just go home, man. And I went in there and he started talking to me, and it was like have you ever seen Charlie Brown's teacher? Where, you know, when the teacher talks, it's always... Rah, rah, rah. That, that's what every... And, and finally, I looked at him and I said, Greg, I need to be saved. He got a real disgusted look on his face and he said, well, man, I've been telling you that for 10, 11 months now. And I said, no, I need to be saved right now. And you know God saved my soul. 
I mean darkness to light. I didn't hear a voice from heaven. There wasn't a lightning strike. There weren't birds weren't singing a special way. God gave me the grace. That very moment, He, the Spirit of God, brought me to spiritual life and enabled me to see what I really was in the sight of God and what I needed. And I, more than anything else in the world, I wanted to turn from what I was and trust only in Jesus Christ and believe on Him and trust Him. At that, I didn't care what my friends were going to say, what my family was going to say. I wanted Christ more than anything else in the world. And the truth of 2 Corinthians 4, 6 became a reality for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God of all peace intervened miraculously in my life. The Holy Spirit made me spiritually alive in the new birth. He gave me the gifts of repentance and saving faith. And the love of God was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And it overwhelmed me. And I know what the testimony of the psalmist is all about when he said in Psalm chapter 40, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear. And shall praise and shall trust in the Lord. When God saved me, He clothed me with the garments of salvation, with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Something that I had nothing, I, there's no way I could earn it, there's no way I could make myself acceptable to God. I was condemned, broken, guilty. And in spite of what I was, God saved me and gave me just what I needed. The only thing that would make me right before God was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How glorious to think that such a transaction would be made. That God is so gracious and kind that He'd take away my sin and my guilt and be punished for it in the person of Christ and in exchange give me His righteousness. That'll give you joy and peace in believing. When you understand the, the prophet said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. God changes the worst of sinners. Now you may not be near as sinful as I was, but I can guarantee you this, 
You may be raised in a Christian home. You may know the Ten Commandments. You may have verses memorized. You may uh, have all the advantages that I never did. But I'm here to tell you that you need Christ. Because we're all sinners. Maybe not in the same degree, but I often think how miraculous it was when Jesus saved the demoniac of Gadara. Guy running around naked, cutting himself in a graveyard. You can't get much worse than that. And Jesus Christ saved his soul. Ask him how powerful the grace of God is. Somebody that darkened and depraved and ungodly was sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and in His right mind. That's the power of God to save and to change sinners. And when God saves somebody, He changes them. I don't believe in this easy believism that's being preached today. When people are saved, their lives change. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The day I was saved, when I drove home to my parents, they were upstairs. We had just moved to a new home. And they were upstairs painting. And I remember running up the stairs, looking at my mom and dad and saying, the Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul today. And I said, I know Christ. And they kind of looked at me like, what's wrong with you? And uh, I said, now I'm going to tell you two something. If you, don't get, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. See, that's, all, that's the only example I had. You know, Greg Rittenhouse, that's what he told me. That's what I told my parents. When I first started witnessing to people, my grandpa said the only tact I had was attack, you know. And I told him, I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going down. Kevin Hamilton was my best friend. We grew up together. And uh, I went down in, in town, and he was still in the bed at 3 in the afternoon, uh, sleeping off a, a night of partying. And I remember knocking on the door and Miss Hamilton saying, Tommy, son, what are you doing here? I said, Miss Hamilton, I've been saved by the grace of God. Jesus Christ has changed my heart. And I'm here to tell Kevin the way of salvation and peace. And she said, you get right in there. I went in and I woke Kevin up and I said, Kevin... I, this is a, a miracle. I said, God saved me. I trusted Jesus. I've, I've got peace with God. Now today, Kevin, I want you to be saved. I want you to recognize you're wicked, because you are. You've got to admit it. And I want you to trust today in Jesus Christ. He'll give you peace. He said, Ross, you're crazy. He said... This is just some experience you've had. You'll be right back with us in six months. Man, I'll tell you what, that just went all through me. I, 
I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, here I am. I'm offering you the greatest thing that you could ever have. It was like I hit the, the heavenly lottery or something. That's the only way I could compare it. I said, don't you understand, man? I'm going to heaven. He said, I, I don't want to hear no more. Well, I kept witnessing to Kevin. He got messed up. He was a drug dealer. And, and after several years, one day I got an email. And it just said, praise God, in the subject line. And he, he said, if this is Tom Ross that I grew up with, if this is your email, I want you to know that I never forgot all the times you witnessed to me. He said, I want you to know the Lord saved me. It's a miracle of grace when God saves broken sinners. He gives them joy and peace in believing. He... I'm praying today that God will direct your heart and your mind to the only way of peace. It's not in, it's not in a, a, a religious experience. It's not in a, a church or a priest or a preacher or turning over. It's in Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. That day, salvation, God's salvation changed me forever. It's been 43 years since God changed the course of my life in a miraculous way. I'll never forget, it had been about 10 years, 10 or 15 years, and I, I went to a, where I grew up. Uh, one of my friends had become the head bat. I played ball with him when I was in school. And he was the head basketball coach at our school. You know, he eventually come back. And I said, I'm going to take all my family. We're going to go watch one of the games. And so I, I packed up my kids. We drove down to Cincinnati. Uh, they were playing ball that night. I got to talk with Tim and his, everything. And I ran into my old coach, uh, Coach Moore. And he, he come up to me like, he, uh, he said, Tommy. I said, yeah, good to see you, coach. And it was like, when did you get out of jail? You know, I mean, he, he thought I was just, a, a, you know, a, a criminal element. And I looked at him and I said, coach, the Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I'm now, I preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Baptist preacher. I thought his jaw was going to drop. He said, that is so wonderful. God can change the worst. You look at who the man who was writing this thought he was right with God by his own virtue of his own righteousness and religion. And he wanted to kill Christians. 
The will of Paul, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus was to imprison them and hopefully put them, snuff out their life. That was his will. I'm going to tell you something. God can change the most perverted of wills. That day in a miraculous turn of events, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and this man who had been so contrary to Christ and the way meekly said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Complete submission. His life changed forever. Now quickly, well, as quick as we're going to go, I should put it that way, I guess. Joy and peace come in believing. But that's not all there is to the Christian life. So how can these graces of joy, peace, faith, be enjoyed. I like what Brother Wayne did when he was explaining that song. There's more to it than just a one-time event when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. Your life is... You're progressively becoming more like Christ. So how can these graces that are listed in our verse... Let me read that one more time. In Romans, he says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. He's writing this to believers. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. How can those graces of joy and peace and faith be enjoyed? Well, you've got to recognize where they come from. God is the everlasting source of all joy and peace. And these graces are produced in you by the Spirit of God. How miraculous is this? Yes, Christ condescended to take our place and die in our stead and bear our sin debt and put our sins away and satisfy the justice of God, and give us His righteousness. But how amazing is it that God determined to regenerate and give you the new birth, and then live in you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. And so these graces of joy, peace, faith, where do they come from? How are they cultivated? By the Holy Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. God, the Holy Spirit, is the source of all of these graces in us. So you recognize that if there's anything good in you, it's not because of you. He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. 
And the purpose is to conform us daily, more and more, to make us less like the world and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate end of predestination. To be conformed to His image. Well, another thing that helps you is you've you got to believe God's Word. You've got to feast on it, read it, meditate upon it. Apply it in your life. Because I guarantee you, your levels of joy and peace are going to be directly related to your Bible intake and your application of the truth. Oh, this time of year, I, I really get on my people about reading the Bible. Reading it through. That's how you're going to be blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law He doth meditate day and night, and He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. Man, there, there it is right there. Separated from the world, saturated in the Word, and situated in a place where you can be fed God's truth and live for Him. You've got to get in the Word of God. I'm amazed by... This is the only thing you've got that's, that's perfect. The only possession you have that is absolutely pure, every word of God is pure. The Bible says. It's the only thing you've got. Jesus said, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're not going to live a sanctified life fit for the Master's use apart from the Word of God. That's why you need preaching. That's why you need to daily feast on the Word. i got a, I got a little thing I live by, BBB. Bible before breakfast. I was telling a preacher about that. I was preaching about it, and he got all enthused about it. But he took it a little too far. He said, I'm even, I'm reading my Bible before I even drink my coffee. I said, whoa, 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 brother. I said, I'm not going that far with you. I get my coffee, and I start, I read my Bible every morning before I eat. Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. You don't have to adopt that. But I am saying you better get in the Word of God. If you really want joy and peace and faith operating in your life, and you've got you to gotta talk to the Lord. You don't even have to vocalize because the Holy Spirit can make groanings which cannot be uttered in you, but you do have to commune with God. You have to spend time in the secret place of the Most High. 
adoring Him, confessing your sins, having a spirit of thanksgiving and supplication for others. You got to pray. You got to seek the Lord. Just like I preached last night, and I'm not going to rehash it, but praying will help you to keep from worrying. And it will fill you with peace. Communion with God will get your mind and your heart right. And then I think it's good to think of the many ways that God has given you joy and peace through this uneven journey of life. I believe with all my heart it's good to reflect on what God's done in your life and in your family. I, I write a birthday card out to every member of our church. And one of the things I usually start with is I hope this birthday finds you counting your blessings and the abundance that you have in Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful. I'm so unworthy of all the blessings of God. And I don't hardly own anything. But I'm so rich. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've seen my children saved. I'm seeing my grandchildren now asking and inquiring about the things of God. I tell you, that thrills my soul. I have the privilege of pastoring one of the Lord's churches with like-minded people that love the Lord and want to serve Him. i got a lot of canned beans, too. God's blessed us with a good garden. We never want for food. I think it's important to really realize where God's brought you from and how He's blessed your life. The joy of family and friends and church. Prayers that have been answered. Souls that have been saved. we got plenty to rejoice in if we get our mind right. But a lot of times that's where the real problem lies. I heard somebody say they went to a seminar and a man had a big whiteboard like this. And he put one black dot up there. And he asked all the attendees, he said, now, what do you see? Nearly all of them was ready. I see a black dot. And he said, well, what about everything else up there? You know, a lot of times we get focused on the dots. On little things. And we allow them to rob our joy, cause us to worry when God has opened up the treasury of His grace to us. Got to get our mind right. Get your mind and focus off the bad news of this world and get it on the Lord. That will keep Him in perfect peace.
whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in me. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So we have joy in this life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And amazingly, that ain't all there is. You see, there is joy and peace that await us in the future. Do you realize most everyone dreads the future? Because they see it as unknown. They don't know what... They fear death. If you're saved, you don't need to fear death. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're going to leave this this land of sin and sorrow and be translated right into the presence of God Almighty. How glorious is that? And there's coming a day in the resurrection and in the rapture of believers, where He's going to take away every... He's going to glorify us. There's joy awaiting us in the future. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 35.10, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There's coming a day, a grand, a glorious, a wonderful day, when there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disappointment, no more headaches. We're going to be translated. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ and conform to His image. Every flaw put away. And we're going to take our place in that, in, with the blood-washed throng. Jesus is going to say, Behold, I and the children which Thou hast given me, they're all accounted for. Every single one I came to die for, They're all, I bought for every one of them the garments of salvation. They're arrayed in robes of spotless white. We're going to take our place around that throne. We're going to be singing, and now Tim can tell you, and so can Chris, that I ain't much of a singer because I sit right behind him. Uh, At Mount Pleasant, they don't let me up in the choir area. They rope that off. I'm just kidding, but if I ever tried, that's probably what they do. I'm not... I make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm kind of a loud singer. I'll tell you what, when I get to glory, I'm going to have glorified vocal cords. I'll probably sound better than George Beverly Shea. I'm going to, I'm going to sing. Can you imagine being there with everybody that's ever been saved? And there's... There's complete, absolute harmony and compatibility. No one's fussing, arguing, complaining. No, they're singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And we'll never get tired of that. 
we're going to a peaceable habitation. The Bible says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. It's all because of what Jesus did. Good way to start the service today, Tim. It's all because of Christ Jesus the Lord. I hope you know Him. If I can tell you there's nothing more wonderful in all the world than to have peace and joy in believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Wayne.